The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, I need to... Lord, I need to regroup a little bit because uh, just singing about so many reasons to love you, singing about your greatness. Um, I, I want to stand in silence and guess, guess it's my turn to talk, so help, help me to do that well here. But we are overwhelmed by your greatness, Father. Thank you that we can even take the time to focus on you and sing of your greatness together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Gotta say, this is one of those mornings where I am especially happy to see you all. What I mean by that is, uh, this is, by, by the way, I'm a very experienced speaker on this particular Sunday. I'm not talking about Palm Sunday, but uh, back for many years I was on staff at a church, and uh, the, one of the main times I got to speak was the first Sunday of spring break. Because everybody else left. <laughs> it's like, who's left? Dan, let's have him speak. Okay. He's got no life. Make sure we don't pay him enough to go on vacation, and, uh, and we'll have him speak. So, uh, so this is a big deal. But I, uh, I hear all week about everybody being gone. So just looking out and seeing some people here is pretty doggone exciting to me. Uh, ready, ready to go with that and, uh, and jump in. But um, I also am just so excited that Josh is seen now uh, because... You know, sometimes I think I'm old, you know, so I'm standing, he stands there the whole time with that tin. <laughs> Why are you standing there with that tin? Uh, by the way, that is the idea. If you take one, you're supposed to bring back a casserole next week. We'll also have fruit and uh, pastries, you know, that are store-bought stuff, uh, but for our breakfast celebration uh, next week. Okay, we're going to talk about the uh, today, we're going to start our series on Jesus Said. However, we're going to start, I mentioned, at the end of the last seven things that Jesus said while he was on the cross. So we're actually going to have to move around to the different Gospels to, to find all seven of the things that he said. You know, when you think about the whole idea of last words, and I remember doing this before and being very disappointed. I thought, you know, a great way to start the sermon would be to tell you some memorable last words that people said, you know, so you Google that. What are some famous last words? There really aren't very many great ones. I mean, you know, like I found lists of a hundred, you know, things that people said in the last words, and they're like, who cares? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, could you flip my pillow over? You know, things like that. Uh, a lot of them were not all that great. Uh, one that stands out that makes all the lists is P.T. Barnum is famous for the last words that he said were, what were today's receipts? So you kind of, it's kind of sad what was important in his life. Uh, and then and Karl Marx was on the list a lot too. Karl Marx, uh, he said, uh, the lady came in and said, I want to record your last words. And he said, get out of here. Um, he, he, he said, last words are for fools who never said anything during their life. And that's his last words. <laughs> nice guy. Uh, the one that did, that was actually good, Charles Spurgeon, who is a preacher from the 1800s that we quote a lot, uh, he said, Jesus, only Jesus. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. But truth of the matter is, didn't find any great last words. But the last words that we are going to look at actually are seven different things that Jesus Christ said on the cross. Okay. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Today you will be with me in paradise, he said to the thief. Woman, behold your son, he said to his mother Mary. And then, son, behold your mother, he said to John. And then he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Two words, I thirst. 
Then three words, it is finished, and then, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Now, next week on Sunday, those last three really talk about the, how Jesus gave himself body, soul, and spirit. We're going to talk about that, and then, of course, we are going to talk about the resurrection. It is Easter. We're going to celebrate that one. Uh, Friday night, we're really going to focus more on the one right in the middle there. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because we will talk more about the agony on the cross. For today, we're going to focus on those first three more. And um, if you look at these, you'll notice something about Jesus on the cross is he is focused on other people. First of all, he says, Father, forgive them. And then he says uh, to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he says, woman, behold your son, and son, so he's caring about his mother uh, there on the cross. So we see this in life of Jesus, and I want to point out that the biggest thing we're going to focus on this day is just the idea that Jesus was, this is kind of a WWJD type sermon, you know, what would Jesus do? Uh, because we're going to see the examples that Jesus gave for how uh, to handle difficult times, how to go through this time of suffering. We're going to see some great things in there. Now, anytime I say that, though, I have to say this, okay? I mean, I have to say this. This is very important because what we do a lot of times in church is we talk about, yeah, Jesus provided an example, and he did, and, uh, and Jesus showed us the way to live, and Jesus was a great teacher, and he was, and he did, and all those things are true, but we can never lose sight of the most important thing, and that is the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth to lay down his life, to die, to pay the price for sin. We never want to lose that. So as I talk to you today about following Jesus' example, I don't want to say, oh, that's all we're supposed to do is you know, learn what Jesus did and follow him. We need to remember that nobody is going to follow that example perfectly. Uh, we need to remember that all of us need a Savior in Jesus Christ, and that is why he came, bottom line, uh, to die, and that only he could take that price. And we'll focus on that more Friday night and next week. But today, we're going to look at these first three sayings. Now, the other thing thing, uh, because we got the elementary kids in here today, I, I brought my Easter basket. I, got, I was pretty excited about this. I found York peppermint patties and Reese's peanut butter cups in Easter colors, okay? And if anybody comes up afterwards and shows me that they could, uh, that they, there's going to be the three sayings, if you can remember the three sayings, okay, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, and remember the key word that goes with each one, if you have those written down, I'll let you have a couple pieces of candy. Now, it's mainly elementary kids, definitely teenagers are welcome. I mean, if you're 70 and you really want a snack, that's okay, I got a pretty big basket full. Uh, you can come up and tell me the, tell me the same thing, but uh, I was excited about this. I found this this is a pretty masculine-looking Easter basket, too. I thought I was going to be standing up here looking kind of funny, but I felt like that was pretty good. Uh, so, are you ready? Here we go. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to have to look at a couple different uh, of the Gospels, but we're going to look at these uh, in the order we believe they were set on the cross. Okay, now, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. Oh, not going to go into great detail as far as this uh, manner of death, crucifixion. We're not going in great detail today, but I do want to give you a little bit of a background on it. Uh, this was a common form of execution in the Roman government. Uh, in fact, um, let's see, I wrote down here 30,000 uh, probably at least had been executed by crucifixion prior to this time. 30,000, I'm sorry, just in Judea and uh, in the Jerusalem area, 30,000 already been. So they were familiar with this kind of death. It was often called uh, death by 
suffocation because most of the people that died on the cross actually died because the position they were hanging in, they could no longer lift themselves up to, to gain breath. Uh, it was called, uh, many times, it was also called death by humiliation. Obviously, it was a very uh, humiliating way to hang there. Um, it was also called a deliberately delayed death. So its purpose was to create this suffering. So if you can picture with me for a second a cross that is roughly twice that size, roughly twice that size, however much thicker, and would weigh about 300 pounds is what they said they used in Roman crucifixion. So you have this picture of Jesus dragging the cross, uh, but it was a very heavy cross. is a monstrous thing that, that, he, that he dragged. And um, when we understand the horror, if you will, of this death. And again, we'll develop that a little bit more later, but just that we understand what's going on here with them being raised up. And when they came to a place that is called the skull, you've heard the name Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. You maybe have heard the name Calvary, uh, which is, uh, did I say that right? Cal Calvary. Yeah, if you put the L in the wrong place, you got a bunch of guys on horses. Okay, uh, Calvary, that's, what, that's the other word, Calvary. Uh, but uh, then they, uh, because this hill looked like that of a skull, they crucified him, criminals, one on the right and one on the left, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots and divided his garments, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the, his chosen one. The soldiers were also mocking him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews like this, banner over your head says, Save yourself. And there's also a scripture over him. This is the king of the Jews, which was written in several different languages there. But... Uh, as we look at this, uh, one of the concepts of the life of Christ that I think we need to really get a hold of, okay, and this is the first word that goes with this phrase that I want the kids to remember, is just that we need to study what Jesus teaches us about forgiveness. Okay, that word, when you look at the Greek, first of all, it just it has that idea of letting it go. Not letting it go like Elsa and, you know, I'm going to forget everything else in the and go, uh, but it is, I can get over this. I can let it go. I can leave this behind. The other thing that is very important about the word itself is that it is in what they call the progressive tense or a continuing tense. In other words, it is something you let go and you let go and you let go and it, it just stays let go, if you will. You know, we have a tendency with our forgiveness sometimes is we'll forgive somebody as long as they don't mess up again. And, and we struggle with that. But I want to, if there's anything I can do and jump up and down about today, it is this word and the importance of this in our lives. When I was going in to get the, uh, the old hip uh, replaced last summer, uh, I thought it was kind of funny, and some of you have been down this road with doctors. You go in, and they, they give you this list of all the things you should do. And you kind of sense that a lot of them, they just have to tell you, you know, like, hey, you can buy this machine that will pump water and keep your blood flowing so you don't get clots, you know, for an extra $200 or whatever it is. And, uh, and here's some special drink you could take for protein and everything like that. And they tell you all these things, and you have to look through the, all these folders and look at it. But then you get a sense that there's some things that's like, hey, this you really need to do. <laughs> you might be able to get away without doing those other things, but this is really important. This you got to get a hold. I kind of feel like that. There's different things that as pastor, I want to say, hey, this is helpful to me. I like to talk about journaling and how important it's been in my life and, and different things like that. That's an example. That doesn't mean you have to journal, but here's something that I need to jump up and down about because this forgiveness and getting a hold of this and not uh, being able to let things go is so crucial to our health. And let's watch what 
um, Jesus did as far as forgiveness goes. Think about the people that he is talking about here. Those who spit on him. Those who punched him and said, hey, prophesy to us. Tell us who punched you. Those who whipped him with a cat of nine tails. We'll describe that some later. You know, those who mocked him mercilessly, those who took a crown of thorns and pressed it upon his head, the one who would betray him, the one who would deny him, and us. Let's think about the people that Jesus forgave. And what did he say about them? He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. Okay? Now, if you think about that, in many ways, they knew what they were doing. We know we're hitting somebody. Uh, we, in, most, in many cases of the time, and we see this very clearly with Pilate, they knew that they were torturing an innocent man. So they knew that part. But Jesus, they didn't, they thought of him as prophet. They did not understand that this was the only son of God. They didn't understand what they were doing. But when you think about his forgiveness and that phrase, they don't know what they do. Process this with me for a second. Some of the t- sometimes it is hardest for us to forgive somebody who will say they don't know what they did. They never acknowledge it. Do you, do you know what I mean? There's somebody in your past, and they, they just went on with life. They deeply hurt you. They did something that you carry with you to this day, and they don't really even understand that they did it. They don't really get it. Jesus said, forgive them, even though they do not know even what they did. The key to being able to forgive, Jesus starts with the word Father. Father. And the key to us being able to forgive, listen, this is so important, is a right relationship with our Father. The key to me being able to forgive other people is a right, those those things are so intertwined. When Jesus talked about, hey, before you come to worship me, if you have something wrong with somebody else, go make it right. Before you take of the Lord's Supper, if you have something wrong with somebody else, go make it right. Uh, Let's practice forgiveness. Let's make sure, this is a big deal to make sure that you, that forgiveness is at the top of the list as as far as we go with, you know, with other people and in relationships. This is so crucial that we understand just how important it is. So, so if we can see how intricately tied our relationship to God is to our ability to forgive, okay, do not miss this. I've said this before because this is something that's helpful to me. Whenever I'm studying this topic, whenever I'm thinking about this topic, whenever I'm hearing this topic preached, or many times I should say, God will show me somebody's face. Now, stay with me. Is there somebody that you can't forgive, that you won't forgive. And I'm I'm not saying that in any way. You understand, I'm not saying that to be mean. Listen, in the times I've been, since I have been your pastor here, I've had um, a couple of phone calls that I had to make with somebody because whenever I talk about this, God would bring that person to mind and I hadn't forgiven them. And I had to call them and make it right. I've had a couple of lunches where I've had to sit down and pay. Uh, but uh, where I had to talk to somebody and, and say, hey, I need to ask your, uh, your forgiveness for what I did here. And I need to make sure that you understand, you know, that I'm not holding this against you. I've had a couple of letters that I've had to write to say, uh, you know, please forgive me or uh, I want to forgive you. This is so crucial. I had one man uh, who left our church uh, very unhappy with me. And I, I know I could share this. I could probably share his name and he wouldn't care. Uh, but he left the church very unhappy with me. And a couple of years ago, he called me up and said, hey, we need to get together. And he said, hey, I was sitting in church, and the pastor was preaching about not having forgiveness, and he said, I'm sorry, but I thought of you right away. And he said, I need to come and make things right. Big deal, folks. 
Big deal. It really is as far as God is concerned. And we see in Jesus, they don't even know what they did. Uh, they don't even understand what they're doing. They don't even see it, but forgive them. Look what they have done to the innocent Son of God, and yet forgive them. And I hope that we can see just the importance of having this in our life. And I will say to you right now, again, not trying to play Holy Spirit, but as inviting the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, is there a face that is highlighted to you right now? There's somebody. Hey, listen, a, a reconciliation may not be possible. I understand that. Maybe just because of, maybe because of safety. Uh, maybe because of the relationship has, you know, you have been so separated now. Uh, maybe because that person isn't even alive anymore. Reconciliation may, may not be possible, but forgiveness is crucial. Okay, and this is such a big deal. Hope you get, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if I could highlight one thing and say, hey, don't miss this, folks. Don't miss this. We see on the cross this perfect example of forgiveness, and it is so crucial in our lives. We will hurt ourselves in every way. I will hurt my, hey, come on, been there. I've been there where, okay, God, I want to be close to you. God, I want to be close to you, but I don't want to forgive him over there. I'm not going to be close to God if I can't. Okay, Jesus makes that very plain if I won't forgive somebody else. I'm not going to draw close to him in, in that way. This is so crucial. And like I said, it's crucial in every area. Obviously, our spiritual health, but even our physical health. Forgiveness, the more that we can learn and focus on that. Okay, let's move on to saying number two on the cross. Now, one of the criminals who was hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other one rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? And, and listen to some of the things this man says here. Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, hey, hey, we indeed justly, we deserve this. We are receiving the due reward for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Okay, now let's look at this, this fella here for a second. And, um, and as we do, just examine the whole idea of salvation. There, no such thing as accidents uh, as far as the people that Jesus met, the, everybody met him by appointment. And I think we can remember that in our own lives. God does the same thing in our lives. He gives us appointments, and we ought to look for them, not just accidents that uh, people come across our paths. Anyways, we see this guy, uh, the fact that he was being crucified would indicate very serious, probably crimes, rebellion against the state, very serious offense. We understand, first of all, just looking at him, that uh, he is not beyond the reach of salvation. He is not beyond the reach of God's forgiveness, even though he has done these things. I've mentioned this before. Uh, I heard another story this week, but I, I mentioned that one time I was listening to James Dobson, and he was talking about how he was called in to meet with a guy named Ted Bundy. Some of you remember that name, one of the worst mass murderers in history. Just a, uh, This guy would do this thing where he worked in a hospital, and he'd put, give himself a fake cast, and, and he'd be carrying stuff out to his car and, uh, and get young girls to help him, and whenever they helped him, he'd club with the cast uh, and end up killing terrible history. But in the prison, this guy repented and came to Christ. And I, I got to tell you, I was listening to the interview. I was listening to James Dobson, and I, it was making my skin crawl. I mean, really, in my mind, that guy doesn't deserve forgiveness. That's how I think. 
Apparently, that's not how God thinks. Some of you remember the name, the son of Sam Killer. You got to go way back here. But uh, David Berkowitz, a similar story. He got saved in prison and actually became a minister in prison, ministering to others. And again, I want to say that guy doesn't deserve it. We need to understand none of us deserve it, but there is nobody outside the reach of God's grace and forgiveness and salvation. And there might be somebody that you've pretty much given up on. And maybe God is saying to you today, hey, give them an invite next week. Invite them to come to church on Easter. Don't give up. Uh, let's stay with that. But let's look at, again, some of the words of this man and then the words of Christ just to see some things that we're going to learn about salvation. He said to the guy on the cross, he said, don't you fear? Remember, we've talked about this idea of fear. Don't you have any fear of God? Don't you have any, re- don't you know who he is? Reverential awe for God the Father. Don't you, don't you have that? And then he, then he understood his own guilt. He said, hey, you and I, we deserve what we're getting. Okay, we get it. It's so important that I realize that. Listen, Jesus is the Savior. Savior from what? We need to understand that we needed a Savior. Why? Because of sin. Not somebody else's sin, but because of my sin. I need a Savior. Okay? And he says, uh, he says I understand that I'm guilty. I also understand that Jesus isn't. This guy's innocent. Okay, I deserve what I'm getting. He doesn't deserve any of, of this. He, he put that together. He understood his own guilt. He understood Jesus' in innocence. He understood his power. Would you remember me in your kingdom? He understood that he was the king and what Jesus could do. He understood the idea of eternal life and that he would live forever somewhere. And Jesus turns to him, of course, and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. So again, we learn some things about salvation in that statement. We learn, first of all, that it is, uh, it's like it's instant. Here you go. Bam. Listen, you say, well, I kind of came to Jesus through a process. Let me explain something to you. I understand that terminology. I really do. Like if you say, hey, I was thinking about this for a long time, and, and I'm not sure exactly when I believed in Jesus. I understand that, and I'm not really criticizing that at, at all. But I want to say this. There is something that Jesus calls the new birth. And there is a point where your faith is placed in Jesus Christ, the instant uh, of, of your belief and your acceptance of him as the Savior for your sin, that there's a point where that new life begins right there. And this is something that is instant like this. This is secure. He said, guaranteed today. The words of God is guaranteed. It is secure. You can know this, this for sure. There is so much in this little story about this man's life that, uh, and, and his salvation experience that we can learn about salvation itself. But as you might say, hey, you know, something else we can learn, Pastor, is that you can do this at the last minute. And I'll have to say, yes, you can. There is such a thing as a deathbed salvation for sure. I think this guy uh, fits that perfectly. However... However, remember what I said at the beginning about the whole last words thing? Not very many of them are very good. Do you know why? Because people don't really expect to die. And may I remind you of that? If you think I'm going to wait till the last minute, I I don't mean to be nasty, uh, but understand why I say this sarcastically. Good luck with that. Okay, and I, I didn't say that'd be mean. I'm not, I I don't want anybody to think, oh, whatever. But, you know, sometimes we think, well, I'm going to wait to repent. We do not know that we have another breath in our lungs. We do not know that. So I would strongly recommend that the lesson you take away from this is not out. I'll wait till the last minute, and then I'll repent. Then I'll turn to Jesus. Very, 
very poor takeaway from this lesson. Okay? You can take away the fact that you can repent and Jesus forgives. Uh, but uh, to take away from the fact that you're going to wait till the last minute would be a serious mistake. But we definitely see in this man's conversion on the cross some great things about salvation. We're going to go over to the book of John now for our third saying there. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So you see people, sometimes around here we use phrase like at the foot of the cross or near the cross is where I want to be. You see the group that is near the cross. Actually, there was two uh, groups of people near the cross. One were the soldiers who had to be there out of duty, and the others was this very small group that was there out of devotion. That's not the sermon today, but think about it for a second. People staying near the cross out of duty or out of devotion. Which, one you, which group do you want to be in? But anyway, here's this little group. Mary Magdalene who had been possessed by demons, but she had been redeemed and out of gratitude. She's there. Uh, his mother is there, and John is there. And, and um, uh, there, there's actually another passage, maybe one other woman that was there. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciples took her into his home. The third word that uh, I think we learn about from Jesus in these words on the cross is just his incredible compassion for people. That in the midst of his greatest sorrow, he's caring about other people. He's caring about his mother. That is not the only takeaway that we can take from this, but I think it is a big one that we can take and say, watch him care for somebody else in the midst of his heartache. I, I know, and please, uh, I don't mean to be bring up pain at all here because I know that we have at least a couple people in the room who have experienced this, but they say that there is no greater pain than the loss of a child. Um, you know, that... You know, you lose a spouse, you're a widow or a widower. If you lose a a parent, you're an or, or your parents, you're an orphan. But if you lose a child, words can't explain it. Is is how they say that. And uh, I cannot say that I understand that obviously. And, and like I said, I don't mean to be insensitive because I know some folks have experienced that. But Jesus looked at his mother, who was losing her son. Okay, and by the way, some have suggested that if anybody could have stopped the crucifixion, it would have been her because he's on trial for saying he's the king of the Jews. She could have stood up and said, oh, he's crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's my son. Get him down from there. He's my son. He's just crazy. Maybe maybe she could have done that. I I don't know, but she knew what Jesus had come to do. He had made that plain, and she allowed him to stay there. But Jesus looked, and he sees the anguish of his mother, and he focuses on her. Folks, this is so important. This is so important again. When we are going through difficult times, it is so important that we learn to look for who else we can help. Now, again, I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that like, hey, just focus on other people. I've said this before. Some of you face heartache. (laughs) I'm real sorry. I I can't even look at a place right now because I know of a heartache that somebody's facing and uh, that overwhelms me. 
I mean, I'm like, I can't believe some of the things these people face. I just, I just really can't. I don't say it lightly at all. Oh, you're going through a hard time. Just look at others. I'm not saying it at all. I'm saying, let's look at Jesus for a second. And while he was at his darkest hour, while he's hanging on the cross, what is he doing? He is caring for others. And I am saying that in part of, partly to help you take care of yourself with that, because I think that is so uh, healthy for us to be able to do. Say, who else? I mean, it's the type of thing where you're in the chemo room. <laughs> Look around and see if there's anybody else you could be an encouragement to. Yeah, again, I'm not saying that lightly. I haven't, I haven't been there. I haven't been hooked up to the chemo. I, I understand. But who else can I help? You know, who else, is there somebody else that is going through this to whom I can minister? Is there somebody else who has faced this same devastation to whom I, I can minister? How can God use this in the lives of others? How can God use me in the lives of others? Now, I, that's heavy, isn't it? I mean, that's heavy. And, and, and please, like I said, I, I, I want to apologize every time I say that. Because I've mentioned to you, I don't feel like my journey on this earth to this point has been what you'd call a super hard one. Okay, there's some places I look at and say, oh, that was a little rough, rough spell. Uh, but, but sometimes I listen to different stories that you all face, and, I, and I'm like, oh, my, I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine. And what we can say in all of this as we look at these things and as we look at these, these three ideas is how incredibly important that it is in the midst of trials, in the midst of heartaches, in the midst of hard times, that we stay connected to God and that we stay caring about other people. If I could I sum it, I mean, that is, that is the prescription that I have for you. You know, how am I going to make it through this? We want to stay connected to God. Father, right away I'm looking to Him. Right away I'm looking to God. Forgive them. I'm thinking and I'm caring about other people. Please, please know, I, I mean, I feel like I, you know, this isn't the type of sermon that I can preach and say, come on, you know, what's wrong with you? You know, which I don't do a lot of that anyway. Uh, but I'm not saying that at all. I'm sa- uh, but as your friend and as your pastor, I want to say, hey, the best thing that we can do in these times is stay connected to God and stay connect, uh, and sorry, and stay caring and compassionate about other people. Do you see that? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. We are going to sing again about the living hope. I just thought, hey, we're going into Easter week. Let's take that with us, huh? Let's sing about Jesus Christ, our living hope. I love that. Uh, th- there's so many of the songs that we could really sing, but they're, they're going to come up and do that. When we get done that, uh, and after we pray, I want to m- mention, you know, I have my little basket here, and I'm going to, kids, you can come up there, and if you can tell me uh, the sayings that Jesus said on the cross, and, and remember the words forgiveness, salvation, and compassion, uh, I, I just, just for something fun on a kid's day, I thought we'd do that. If your kids don't eat candy, I'm sorry, but if you'll see Pastor Josh, he'll give you $10, uh, that you could take them out for some good fruit or something like that, uh, that I, I don't want to ruin life, and, and uh, I'm going to do that at the end, but I mention that because I'm going to have some kids that I'm talking to. If you're like, boy, I really want to talk to somebody. Uh, actually, Dennis Hartzell is going to be up here over by the piano as one of our elders. And if you want to talk to him, uh, that'd be great that, uh, you know, a, a great thing, you know, if you need somebody to pray with you or somebody to talk to you about some things. Because again, we look today at the example of Jesus and how he handled difficulty. But I never never want us to think, okay, this is, this is what I do. I follow Jesus and do the best I can, and then maybe I'll get to heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. 
The Bible teaches is that God so loved this world that he gave his only son. Jesus died for our sins and said, believe whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And if we ever get into our, our thick skulls that, uh, and we get locked in there that somehow I'm going to earn my way to heaven, we're, we're going the wrong way, folks. It's not going to happen. If we could earn, hey, if we could earn it, we don't even need, need the New Testament. Just to keep the laws of the Old Testament. If we could earn it, if we could do enough. But we couldn't. So God sent his son. And that son, not only, not only laid down his life for us, but then he rose again. And you know what he is today? He's our living hope. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church. Or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.